0: Amen. I'd like to start my time with you with, um, with a song that is written in Afrikaans. Um, and I know not everyone here understands that. But, so I'll just give a quick background. It's about the passage in, in uh, Joshua 24, verse 14b, which says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And in this passage, I, I like taking well-known verses that we hear a lot and reading it in context, going back a chapter, going forward a chapter to see where does this actually fit in. And I've heard that text so many times in my life. But when I went to read where, where Israel was and where Joshua was, I was amazed to see the context of when he said it. It was Opa Joshua, old man Joshua, speaking with his children. You know how the, how the older people are. They've lost their filters, right? They just say it straight. They tell you straight how it is. And this was Opa Joshua. He was saying to the people, you can go back to you know, the land that your forefathers come from and you can go and serve those gods. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then the people respond and they say, no, 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 no. We want to serve the Lord. We want to serve the Lord. And then listen to this. Joshua goes, no, you can't. If he had a mic, he would drop it. <laughs> and he said to them, you can't serve God because he's a jealous God. You will not share his affection. And then they said, no, 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 really, we want to serve him. And he said, okay, I'm going to make an altar with stones, and then you and this altar is a witness to the fact that you said this today. But sad, sadly enough, a few chapters later, we read in, in Judges that just after one generation, they lost that promise. So I want to challenge us today. I'm going to sing this song, and it's a fun song, and I want you to get up and dance and praise God. And even though you don't understand the words, maybe know that this is what it's about. It's about not living with Christ, meeting him, living with him, and saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But I want you to also make a declaration to yourself and your house that this will be the way we live going forward. Are you ready? <laughs>
1: Het had net gedoen wat ik wou. Wanneer iets voor mij lekker gevoel het Zo ik het doen zonder om te berow. Maar ik kist hier zijn bloed vergeven. Zijn lucht het komt gein op mijn lieven.
0: my sir donkey thank you that's good eh thank you Jesus that we can serve you I am I'm really inspired by by the stories I heard this morning and I, I too am so grateful thankful for so many things of this past uh, couple of years actually and this year in particular and when you hear stories like this you kind of go I should just be thankful that I'm breathing and, and, and that I have not been Accidents like that. Um, and to see the attitude of someone that has gone through that and has, has had the courage to push through, I mean, that is amazing. That, that shows me a, a beautiful combination of the power that we have in Christ Jesus, but at the same time, what we are capable of if we focus on him and just keep walking, right? That's pretty amazing. At least two of you are excited about the idea. So I... Uh, I don't have a lot of time today, but I, I want to share a bit of my story and link it to a couple of songs and, and hopefully, you know, show you where, where my Thanksgiving lies in my journey and hopefully inspire some of you because I think it, it, it might be difficult for a few of us this morning listening to these stories, hearing these testimonies, and maybe you feel like you're the odd one out because you're sitting here going, I don't feel thankful. I'm going through a really tough time, and I'm struggling with the idea that it's okay. I think if we were really honest, some of us would say, yes, that's me. So I'm hoping that from the bit of my story I can tell this morning that maybe you'll see a ray of hope and grab onto Jesus in this time that you're in. Okay. So my story starts about um, a long time ago. I was 16, and... I was on a camp for Christian leaders from high school. So the assumption is that you are a Christian. And I thought I was. Grew up in a Christian home. In Gekerk. Went to Sunday school. Went to church. Did all those things. And I was convinced I'm a Christian. I have to walk far to talk to everybody. <laughs> Hi. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be here for a while, but I still love you. <laughs> um, so, I, w- I went on this camp getting training to tell people about Jesus and the Bible in school cell groups. And I'm not a saved, born again, spirit-filled Christian. And that evening, the Saturday, we had a worship session and the guy said to us, okay, I need you to close your eyes, I'm going to play you a song and I want you to use your God-given imagination and I want you to see yourself walking through this forest and then he explains in detail what this forest looks like and me having quite a vivid imagination, I'm seeing the forest, I'm hearing the animals and hearing the leaves crack under my feet and the wind blow through the trees. I'm like, I'm really into this. And at one point he says, okay, so then... After a while, you come out of this forest into a clearing, and on the other side of the clearing, there's a wall. Behind the wall is God the Father. Ask God, what is the wall? And then he kind of left us. And I, I wish I could explain to you how very vividly I experienced this whole thing. I saw this wall in front of me. I could not see where it ended either way or where it ended going up. And it felt immensely overwhelming and as I was looking at this wall, the bricks in the wall suddenly became little demons that were laughing at me and I just said, God, I don't know what to do. Help me and I just felt this very simple truth drop. He said, the only thing between you and me is sin and you just need to confess and invite me into your life. And I said, Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. I want to I be your child. I want to be with you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And in an instant, that wall disappeared into dust. And I felt myself run into the arms of the living God, Him holding me close and saying, I love you, my son. And up until that point, I didn't know how much I needed to hear that. Completely changed my life That was the moment I gave my life to Christ and my journey started Wow, I don't normally get an applause there. That's cool. Thank you. You guys are awesome Um, And then obviously, you know after that my life was just easy nothing went wrong ever and Everything was perfect I'm so glad you're laughing, because if if you have walk, been walking with God, then you know that. There's, there was this thing that when I speak to to married couples, I, I I always tell them about the honeymoon phase. You know, there's this honeymoon phase which is hopefully longer than the honeymoon. The honeymoon phase is that first six months, year, year and a half, depending on how lucky you are, blessed you are, um, where you never argue, and everything is just nice, you know, you remember that time, those who are married, the four year, four week married guy knows, I hope he does, but for me, for, for my wife and I, it was, it was about a year and a half, where we were just, you know, Yorlyfe, shurelyfe, liefie, liefie. everything's great, and and then one day, one day, it all changed. Where I would usually wake up and roll over and give my wife a lacquer kiss, we start the day well. This morning I rolled over for my kiss, and she went, ah ah. Die back met ers <laughs> geboortel word. You need to brush your teeth first. I was like, "What? When did that happen?" And then somewhere in the same week, I had the, the toilet seat conversation. You know when your wife looks at you and she goes like, "Lifi,?" And I also says, Lifi comes out of her mouth, but Lifi? What is this? I'm like, it's a toilet. <laughs> why is the seat up? I don't know, why is it down when I get here? <laughs> and then we had the toothpaste conversation. Do you push it from the back, the middle, or the front? I mean, all these things start becoming issues, right? Anyway, I can go on forever about that. But the point I'm trying to make is even in our walk with God, there's a honeymoon phase where you're like, man, this is amazing. I'm on cloud nine. I'm like reading my Bible because I want to know more about God. My prayer life is amazing. I'm telling people about Jesus. Yeah, it's awesome. And then one day, you fung a speed wobble. And maybe it's Falling back into an old sin. Maybe it's thinking, believing a lie from the enemy, derailing you from your honeymoon phase with Jesus. And then it gets real. And that's happened for me. And it happened a few times in my life. If, now I need to skip ahead and tell you that my journey with God only really kicked into a new gear when, when it was after idols. Okay, so for the people under 20... Idols is this TV show, it's a reality TV show, where people sing and then, you know, they get judged and then someone wins. It's like The Voice, just older. I I won the first one back in 2002, by God's grace, and that in itself is a testimony. I like you guys, is nice. Just on that for a second, how amazing is it that God took one of his sons, a born-again Christian, and put him in a show called Idols, which really freaked out religious people, by the way. Yes, a Christian, who can you know? You're a Christian, how can you sing in this show? God said so. Here's my testimony. I can show you why I'm doing it. God told me to do it. Obedience. It was the key. And God took one of his sons and said, you will be there. And he's done that with Elvis Blue, Lloyd Taylor, a couple of other guys. He's raising up an army of believers in the entertainment business. Amen. But I was still a lone ranger Christian trying to do things on my own. And a couple of months after Idols, a pastor phoned me up. He was actually the pastor that gave me a prophetic word that was one of the reasons I entered idols in the first place. But I only saw him that one time. Didn't know him. He phones me up. He says, listen, I feel God said I must must meet with you, talk with you. So we had a coffee. He told me about discipleship. He explained to me how it works. And initially I thought, heck no. I don't want to tell you what's really going on in my life. Because I've got a really nice facade, but here in the background, there's a lot of secret sins happening that I don't want anyone to find out about. I'm trying to deal with it on my own, in my own strength, but I'm losing the battle. But I don't want to tell anybody about it. What are they going to think about me? But God then showed me how important this is, and connecting with that man and being discipled by him, being part of a local church, and walking in community, learning about um, spiritual family, the lordship of Christ, stepping unto the sovereignty of Jesus, believing God's word and doing what it says, none of that would have happened if I wasn't a disciple. And it completely changed my life and saved me spiritually. And I want to encourage you to do the same if you're not doing it yet. Even with all of that, I would still sometimes struggle with unbelief, struggle with, with moments of weakness, and, but we've been journeying with God for a while. Now, I'm going to skip ahead, got married, had two children, had a third on the way. End of 2013, God speaks to me and my wife very clearly, and so the story starts that I like to call, It Doesn't Make Sense. God says to my wife and I, I'm a singer, she's an image consultant. We live in Joburg at the time. She says, I need you to move down to Cape Town. And it needs to happen at the beginning of next year. This was October 2013, we got the word. Now, it didn't make sense because my business, her business, were much stronger to, if it was in Joburg from a world point of view. But we knew that we knew God said, go. So we went. And I, from a lot of testimonies that I've heard from people, I had this assumption that if I do what God says, everything will go really well. And I will actually know, I will actually know that it's God as to how smooth things go. Yeah, I see some of you are wiser. Because what I did was I would listen to people's testimonies and then they would always say, this is where I was. Then there was a tough time. But they just say that in one sentence. And then they tell you the amazing testimony at the end. And I always kind of skipped over that little part that they didn't get into. So we went, and I'm like, yes, we're obedient. Woo! Doesn't make sense, but here we go. And we get to the Cape. We don't have a house yet. We try to find a house. Didn't, didn't yet work out, but God provided an amazing place for us to rent at a really cheap rate. A couple of months later, our third boy was born then my contract with my record label came up for renewal and this was the second it doesn't make sense God said to me don't renew go independent now just quickly for those who don't know how the music business works to make a professional album of about 14 tracks cost about 250,000 rand then you only have the album you have to spend twice or three times as much to market that album successfully And then people steal your music. Not these people, of course. (laughs) Other people outside steal our music. I just called a full sticker on (laughs) top. So just to give an idea what God was asking me to do, he was asking me to say no to about six or seven hundred thousand rand that I don't have to take out of my own pocket, which I didn't have anyway. So I said, okay. So I stepped out of the contract and suddenly, with me moving from Cape Town, uh, from Joburg to Cape Town, leaving my label, the whole music industry kind of did this, it was like I had leprosy. And my main source of income is live shows. And suddenly that was declining rapidly. Got to a point where my wife said to me, listen, you're making a fifth of what you used to make, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. I thought it was going to go amazing if I do what God said. And now it's like, the wheels are coming completely off and I don't understand this. I kept going back to God. Lord, you said, why is this happening? Why is that happening? In the midst of all of this, God gives me a vision. He says, I want you to to create a house that is a home. It's a safe haven for your family and a base of operations for your calling. I said, yes, great. Where's the money? (laughs) I'll do it, but show me the money. And some of you have walked with God for a while. No, it doesn't exactly work that way. I mean, I've heard testimonies of people opening up their microwaves and there's money inside. I'm like, I want that microwave. (laughs) But it wasn't like that for us. And what I realized was if you asked me before I moved to Cape Town, do I trust God, I would say, yeah, of course I trust Him. But I realized very quickly, I didn't really trust Him. I was trusting my savings account, my credit facility, my overdraft facility, and all the other little plan A, B, C's and whatever I had. Now, I know what some of you are already thinking. Yes, but that's just being a good steward. yes. But if that becomes your source, if that becomes your idol, if that becomes your trust, God's going to take it out. And that's what he came and did with us. He, he, He loves me so much. He loves you so much that he will allow you to hit a rock bottom that will make you turn to him if you don't do it just on your own. And that was my experience. God gave us this vision of a house and we didn't even have a house. Then, it's a very long story, but the bottom line is he showed us a house that we need to renovate. We miraculously, as two self-employed people, not unemployed, self-employed people, applied for a loan and got a 95% loan, which was a miracle. In the same week we got a 95% loan, my wife got a royalty payout for her Bibles of the exact 5% that was still missing. And God was just guiding us. So not smooth sailing, but sailing forward. And I was amazed. In the middle of this, God says to me, starts telling me through prophetic word. Over 2015, I got eight prophetic words. How many of you know that's a lot? Normally, I feel spoiled when I get three. I got eight over like six months. People saying, I believe God is saying that you are going to make Music. you're going to step into a ministry similar to that of Michael W. Smith, which what I heard every time was international audience and a combination of worship leading and uh, performance ministry, because that's what he does. And that's what I really am attracted to do as well. But I was still planning on making my own Afrikaans commercial album. So I'm like, sure, I'll do that, but first I want to do this. And God had to deal with that as well and got me to a point where I realized that actually I need to lay all of that down and I need to step into a whole new season of serving Him and doing what He says. And so started the Roar, the album that I just did. Akima the only Afrikaans song on there. Um, the rest are all English because I believe it was for an international audience and I still do. And... God has been amazing at guiding me through this whole process. Um, just quickly on, the, on the, the house. So he bought the house, and then God said, we need to do, well, well he said it already, but we needed to renovate, and that cost extra. I don't know if you've ever built in the Cape or renovated in the Cape. It's crazy expensive, but I didn't realize. We were completely naive about it. So we step into this thing and and then the guys told us what it's going to cost and we didn't have nearly enough to do that. So I was going to God. I said, Lord, you said we must do this but now, I mean, it seems impossible. And as I said it, I'm like, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Okay, I know. And I'm praying. I'm saying, Jesus, help me. I was putting my boys to bed the one night and I said, Lord, you know, why is this not working out? I was listing my complaints. And then I just felt God say to me, Please stop telling, I didn't say please. He just said, stop telling me, stop telling me what you don't have and tell me what you do have. What do you have in your hand? It's the same thing he said to Moses. It's the same thing he said for the, for the boy with the fish and the bread. What do you have in your hand? Bring that to me and let me multiply it. Oh, blew my mind. And in that moment, he gave me a strategy. He showed me that we can, what we did for our wedding, we couldn't afford the wedding we had. We put suppliers together with media and everybody won. He said we can do the same thing with the house. Very long story, very tough, short, is that we were able to put a, a million rands worth of retail value into the house by connecting suppliers with media. And it's just because God gave us the plan. But I had to actually walk out the plan in faith by faith. The biggest breakthroughs for me in the tough time, in the desert, not having enough, not knowing where things are going to come from. My wife and I were sitting in the one month crying in front of one another. And I'm going to be vulnerable with you because I believe some people need to hear this. We were sitting in this house that was now finished, that we do not deserve on paper, that we could not afford. Our income stream was almost nothing. And we were, we didn't know how we were going to get from one month to the next. And I know that my, a lot of my friends thought I was crazy, what, I, what we've been doing. But I know that I know God said so. And we're holding on. And there's one morning I'm crying in front of my wife and she's like, okay, so are we going to buy food or electricity this month? That's where we were. In that same period, I I, I said one month before my wife and I was crying, I said to her, I am so sorry that I'm such a bad provider for this family. And my amazing wife, who loves Jesus more than she loves me, thank God, she looked at me, she looked at me with so much love in her eyes, she put a hand on my shoulder and she said, babe, you are not our provider. God is our provider. What? That is a woman of God right there. And what I realized was God needed to come and take a cultural, religious misinterpretation of his word placed on men about their responsibility and just take it off my shoulders. Yes, I have responsibilities. Yes, I am a steward, of course. I have a role as a husband in the house and as a father. I know that. But there's an unhealthy responsibility that a lot of, especially Afrikaans men, put on themselves that is not of God. And it's actually actually blocking His blessing in your life because you think you're the provider. That made me so free, so free. One more thing I want to tell you that happened in that time As these breakthroughs, before these breakthroughs started happening, actually, this is what happened. I was, you know, when you're going through a tough time and it seems like every time you open the Bible or someone preaches or you read something, it's it's scriptures that start like, rejoice. (laughs) Again, I say, rejoice. (laughs) Count it all joy when trials and tribulations come. And Jesus himself had the best one. In this life, you will have trouble. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but this is the key. He says, but take heart, for in me you will have peace, for I have overcome the world. I was, I, I was kept reading these scriptures, kept reading these scriptures, and I got frustrated. I got angry with God. I'll be honest with you. I got really up, upset. And then one morning, I, was, um, I, w- I woke up and I was kind of down and depressed and I was feeling very sorry for myself. And so this is me, this is me, okay, Okay. I'm going to do this your way. So I took out my Bible, I opened up at Psalms, I took my guitar, and I just started singing new songs to Jesus, praising Him, worshiping Him. I did not feel like doing it, I did not want to do it, I did not feel joy, but I was obedient, to what His Word says. And you know what happened? The atmosphere in my house shifted. The Spirit in me woke up. And even though my direct circumstances didn't change immediately, something changed on the inside of me. And I knew that I knew who I was and why I was here. And the joy started bubbling up. The river of life, you guys are named after it, of Jesus started welling up inside of me. Do you know that you have nothing to give people if there's not a flowing river through you and Jesus being the source? I meant nothing to no one when I was depressed and worried and anxious and like, oh Lord, woe is me. But when I started doing what His Word says, everything changed. And as a last point before I do the next song, I just want to park on that for one second. Well, it's going to be more than a second. but Guys, it feels like God has put this message on my heart for for the church of today. I'm sure many other people as well, but I, I can't help but talk about this. And I've seen it in my own life. Obedience, obedience, obedience is the key. If you read the Old Testament, have you ever read the Old Testament from the beginning to the end? What is the theme? God says, do what I say, you'll be blessed. If you don't do what I say, you'll be crushed. That is the theme. What do they do? Sometimes they listen, it goes well. Most of the time, they don't. They get crushed. Then he sends Jesus to, be in, to stand in the gap. And through him, we have access to a relationship with the Father God. He has called us to live holy lives, righteous lives. Read Ephesians 1. He's given us everything we need to live a life of godliness and holiness. But what do we do? We play church. We still want to hear what the world has to say about certain things and then try to make make it work with the Bible so that I can do what I want best example we have in the modern church is people living together before they get married you are committing fornication that's what the Bible says not me if you're doing it you're disobedient to God's word it's that simple there's grace repent move away from each other do it the right way God will bless your marriage but God can't bless your marriage if you don't do things his way He can't because He's a God of order and He's put things in place. That's just one example. Guys, I'm not judging. It got very quiet very quickly. (laughs) I messed up. I messed up in my my youth, guys. Big time. I'm not without sin. I'm the chief of sinners, (laughs) as Paul said. But by God's grace... But now, I aim to walk in obedience because that is what opens up the path God has for us. Man, I want to talk about this more, but my time is definitely up. I don't know how to stress this enough. We need to get to that place where we do what He says. I'll just end with this. Psalm 112 says, Praise God. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord and who greatly delights in his commandments. That man will be blessed. His children will be blessed. His household will be blessed. He will be... uh, It's an amazing bunch of promises that that man has. I ask God, how do I get excited about your commands? Because to me, as a Dutch-reformed Afrikaans boyke, it feels like a bunch of rules that if I don't live up to it, you're not going to love me. That's what it feels like. And he took me to 1, 1 John 5 verse 3 that says... For this is the love of God. If you keep my commandments, and my commandments are not burdensome. I said, okay, so what is the key? The key is love. Okay, so I need to not try and do your rules. I must love you back because you loved me first. And the way I love you back is by doing what you say. That is God's love language, guys. You've heard of the five love languages? God has a love language obedience if you're struggling with hearing this and applying this i want to put it to you that there's a strong possibility that you are not actually saved boom drop the mic but on a serious note paul says we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling are you really saved are you really born again have you made a decision to follow christ and given your life to him Because if you have, then you have died, your culture has died, and you live as a citizen of heaven for the kingdom of Jesus, and you change the world around you. And you do what he says. Why? Because he says so. And you love him. Right? So I want to ask you, please, if you're not sure about whether you've given your life to Christ, do it. If you've grown up like me in a Christian home and you think that makes you a Christian, I want to challenge you today and ask you to really go read the Word of God. Talk to Jesus and say, Lord, I don't know if I've done that. But I I almost want to promise you if you're doubting, you probably haven't. Because if you have, you'll know that you know. And I want to encourage you to step into that relationship because He loves you that much. I want to sing this song with you guys. It's called, Lord, Have Your Way. And it speaks to obedience. Before we do this, I feel like we don't have time for a whole altar call thing, but I want to do the prayer. And if if you know that you need to do that prayer, I'm going to let everyone pray, but you know that maybe it's your first time. And then afterwards, you must please come and find the leaders and connect with the church and become a part of it. So please pray after me. Lord Jesus, today I choose to believe in my heart. confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and the Son of God and that you came to become human to die on a cross for my sins to rise from the dead and to live forevermore as my God forgive me for my sins Lord and help me to follow you for the rest of my life I love, you. I love you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, you are now a child of God. And the heavens are roaring. May your life with Christ be one of obedience. Does this Lord have your way? You can
1: play it now. Lord, in your kind and gentle way, you let me struggle on my and i please-
0: song, I really want to do it, not just because it's the title track of the album, but because it's a song that reminds us of the authority we have as children of God in what Christ has already done, and to walk in that authority in everyday life. So please enjoy, and let your faith be stirred with the roar.
1: We can feel the power of your name, rising through the chaos. Drowning all our shame
0: Thank you your leadership your church you're one of the churches that reacted and actually got to be a part of our music video for this next song it's a song called it's time it's quite a long story behind it but i won't tell it don't worry um the blaze stone, you look on blaze stone, it's uh, it's gonna be quick it, it it came at a time when i when i just believed god showed me that if we call ourselves christians One of the steps of obedience is to do what he says when he says, I give you a new commandment, love one another. By this the world will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. That's John 13. In John 17, Jesus prays to the Father and earnestly asks him to make his disciples one as he and the Father are one. In Ephesians 4, Paul tells us very clearly that we are part of a body. Christ is the head and we each form part of the body. But what we have at the moment is that the church is divided because the knee is trying to tell the elbow how it should be, whereas they're actually supposed to operate and do what they're made to do within the body. So this song is a call to us as the church of Christ to be one in spirit. We're not supposed to become like one another in terms of what we look like or sound like or sing or all that stuff. It's about united in spirit and the truth of Jesus. And that's what the song is called to do. And I, I was able to go to my good friends, Luis Obala and Neville D., my Tosa friend, my Cape Colored friend. And we, were, we put the song together and I'd love to share with you today and ask you to, to make your heart open, make your mind open, be inspired, to be intentional about building across denominational boundaries, race boundaries, class boundaries. Because if the Church of Christ with access to the supernatural strength of Jesus Christ can't be one, how is the world ever going to do it? We have to be the people who set the example. Alright, it's time. It's time. Let's do it.
1: We can feel the earth trembling as the enemy is shaking. When I'm a
0: And I would love for you to go and watch it and share it with other people. Let's just get the message out. It's also on all the digital platforms so you can get it anywhere. It's not on a CD here today because it was just released as a single. But please support the song and let's help get the message out. Thank you very much.